My question for you that I wanted to ask this morning is this. If you could ask Jesus to teach you to do something, what would you ask him to, to teach you? Anything. Write it down. If you could ask Jesus and he was going to teach you this one thing, what would be the one thing that you would want Jesus to do? And now keep in mind, if you're not familiar with Jesus, I'll give you a little bit of background. He walked on water. Um, he healed people, uh, people who were dead. He raised dead, dead back to life. People who were blind gave them their vision back. People who were paralyzed enabled them to walk again. Uh, he would look at storms and tell a storm to quit being so stormy, and it would stop. So Jesus did some amazing, absolutely amazing things. So knowing a little bit about Jesus, what would you ask him to do? What would you love Jesus to teach you? Now, if it's me, I'd be like, wow, that would be pretty amazing. Could you teach me how to raise someone from the dead? It would be pretty amazing. Could you teach me, Jesus, how to walk on water? Jesus, could you teach me how to take a few items from Chipotle and multiply it for 5,000 of my closest friends? Just a few burritos, a few tacos. Could you teach me how to multiply that, uh, you know, 5,000 different ways? So what would you ask Jesus to teach you? Uh, this question for me has been really intriguing all week because the disciples, uh, the men who walked and just lived with Jesus for the better part of three years, they saw Jesus do all of these things and so much more. Uh, they saw his leadership. Uh, they saw him heal people. Uh, but when it came time... There's only one time in Scripture where they said to Jesus, would you teach us to do this? And this is what they asked Jesus to teach them. In Luke chapter 11, it says this, verse 1, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus taught the disciples a bunch of things. But there's only one time that we have recorded in Scripture, at least, where they came to him and said, would you teach us this? They didn't ever ask Jesus, could you teach us to preach like you preach? Could you teach us to lead like you lead or heal like you heal or have these miraculous things happen like you do? Can you teach us those things? The one thing that they asked Jesus to do in terms of teaching them was, Lord, teach us to pray. Of all that they could have asked, why did they ask for that? And my only answer to that question is maybe they began connecting the dots and realized that everything that Jesus did flowed from a life of prayer. Maybe they had this realization of like, wow, everything that we see this man doing is actually flowing from a man who just prays. Here's an example of Jesus. This is in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, 22. As he was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. How about in Luke 9, verse 29, it says this, and as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. Two examples, and there are so many different examples in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when Jesus prayed, stuff happened. When Jesus prayed, people got healed. When Jesus prayed, folks who had died were raised back to life. And I just, I'm guessing they connected the dots. Now, you might have the thought, because I certainly did, well, that's Jesus. Of course that's going to happen. It's Jesus praying, so of course when Jesus prays, it's going to happen. 
It's kind of like your parent, well, I love you. Well, you have to. You're my mom. You're my dad. You, you kind of just by state law have to love me. And it's, well, when Jesus prays, of course God's going to answer that prayer. It's his son. Absolutely. Well, what I love about the disciples, and especially what we've been learning in Acts, uh, is God is moved by his people when his people pray. The story of Acts is the men and women, the, the first followers of Jesus, actually began doing what Jesus did, praying, and they began seeing the same results that Jesus saw in their life. So the men and women that we have been inspired by over the past year, the men and women who were used by God to change the world, as they began to pray, they began to see the exact same results that Jesus saw. And so the question that we're looking at this morning is, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? Because when, when people pray, it moves God. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but when people pray, when the people of God pray, God moves, God answers. D.L. Moody, I love what he said, and he was a man known for great prayer, of getting up at 4 a.m., to spend hours praying for the men and women that he would interact with. And he said this, every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. Every great movement of God, when God was just moving in God-type ways, God-sized ways, it can be traced that there were people bending their knee, asking God to do that very thing. My heart, we're day five, But I wanted to share with you what my heart for me was, what my heart for each of you was uh, as well. And it's really just two things, and I'd encourage you to write these things down. Uh, Number one is just simply this, that you'd connect with God. My heart for you over the next 40 days is that you'd connect with God. My, My heart for you is not for you to pray more or to pray harder or to pray longer or learn some formula of how you should pray. My heart for all of us is that we would connect with God. See, my conviction is there's a lot of people who pray, but not a lot of people actually connect with God. Muslims, they spend a lot of time praying. Hindus spend a lot of time praying. Buddhists spend lots of time praying. There's lots of new age spiritism folks who pray. Lots of people pray, but not many people connect with God. And my heart for you is not that you pray harder and longer and and more fancy as it were, My heart for you, for myself, is simply this, is that we would connect with God in prayer. Because the beauty of praying is we don't get something, we get God. We often think of prayer of, I need an answer, I need direction, I need wisdom. And and it's not wrong to ask those things, but the beauty of prayer is not that we get something, we get someone. Namely, we get We get God. We get to be with God. We get to know God. We get to understand God. We get to connect with God. So my prayer, number one, my desire for you, for me, is that all of us would connect with God. So at the end of 40 days, if someone were to ask you, well, hey, how's your prayer life? Your answer would not reflect time or performance. I don't know how you currently answer that question, but when someone asks me, how is your prayer life, Michael? I immediately go to time. Oh, well, I haven't been spending as much time as I should and could. And I immediately jump to performance of, well, I 
gosh, I daydream a lot when I pray. I start strong, like the first three minutes, but then somewhere after three minutes, like 15 minutes goes by and I forgot that I was even praying. So I don't want your answer or my answer to how is your prayer life going be reflected in how much time you spent or how focused you were. I want your answer to be reflected in, you know what? I've grown closer to Jesus. I've grown closer to God. I'm starting to hear his voice. I'm starting to understand who God is and what God is like. So my prayer life, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Not because of time, not because I said something a certain way, a certain mantra, but I am now actually learning how to connect with God. That's my first heart. My second heart for me, for all of us, is this. Number two, is that you would have a testimony of God answering your prayers. I really want that for you. I really want each of you to be convinced um, that God is a prayer-answering God. I'm 41, and I don't know when this happened, but somewhere over the past 15, 16 years, I did not have this testimony, but somewhere over the past 15 years, I now have a testimony, and God answers prayers. Like, I'm convinced of it. I've seen it numerous times in my life, and I've seen it numerous times in the lives of those around me. I'm absolutely convinced with conviction that God answers prayer. And my heart for you, for all of us, is that you'd have that shared conviction. That you could tell people who might not know God, understand God, or even believe in God, that no, God is a God who cares. God is a God who hears. God is a God who answers prayer. Well, prove it. All right, well, let me tell you, I I prayed for this. Well, that's just one. No, no, I got another example. I've got another story. And I've got another story. So my heart for all of us is that we would have a testimony of God answering prayer your prayers. It's easy to kind of think, well, I just, I don't believe God answers my prayers. He might answer your prayers, Michael, but he doesn't answer my prayers. And maybe there are some people here who just checked out a long time ago, weeks, months, years ago, and you just kind of stop praying because your prayers never seem to get past the ceiling. And you just were greeted with silence or you were just greeted with nothing. And so your attitude was, well, it didn't work. I tried. It didn't work. And my heart for you during this next 40 days, now 35 days to go, would, that be, would be that you would have a testimony of a God who answers your prayers. Not just prayer in general, but your prayers. I would have to say one of my heroes in the faith um, is a guy named George Mueller. And uh, if you've never read any biographies and you're looking to read a biography, uh, this one would be a worthy one to read. Uh, he is a man who just is inspiring in, the, in his faith, but his one goal in life, and this is convicting but encouraging, uh, one biographer wrote this about George Mueller. George Mueller prayed he would live and work in such a way as to be convincing proof that God hears prayer and that it is always safe to trust him, to show the world that God was a prayer answering God. Like, I just want that to be true for you. That your life would just be absolute evidence that God is real, that you can trust him, and that God is a prayer answering God. Those are my two desires for you. Uh, If you have things on top of that, which I honestly hope you do, write them down in your journal. 
Because the reality is, here's the catch. You will never see God answer prayers if you don't pray. (laughs) It, It just won't happen. So if you want to have that testimony, that conviction that God is in a prayer answering God, you've got to begin praying. You've got to begin praying. And I really believe what God has for you, what has for us as a church, is that he wants to grow your testimony, not just for you, but those around you, that God, you can trust him. You can trust him. Well, how do I know I can trust God? Well, let me tell you some stories. I was just praying just a few days ago. And this is what I was praying, and this is how God responded. Those are my two, and I encourage you to write down some more. What are some things that you would like to see God do with you in these next 35 days? To connect with God and to have a testimony, to have stories of a God who answers prayer. Now, those are two desires for you, and I wanted to share very quickly two observations with you about prayer. This is kind of an introduction to prayer But here's two observations that are not earth-shattering, but they're true nonetheless. Number one is just simply this. We need to pray. We need to pray. I say that we need to pray because we were not created to be independent. We were created to be dependent on God. And every time I spend time praying, I'm doing what I was created to do. So much of our lives is just spent depending upon ourselves to get done what we need to get done. And I just want to, you were not created to live like that. You were created to live lives dependent upon God. So we can live one of two ways. We can live trying to prove to God and those around us that you can do life on your own. You can live trying to prove to everybody, yourself included, that you can handle it that you can make it, that you can just rely on your own strengths and talents and abilities, and you can get through life. You can try living like that, but I promise you it won't work because you were not created or designed or fashioned or formed to do that. Or you can live showing yourself and showing the world all that God will do with a life dependent on him in prayer. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm seeking to do, is I just want to show people by testimony, by story, by example of what actually can be done, what actually can be accomplished through somebody who is willing to pray. This is the life that Jesus modeled. This is the life that the disciples grabbed onto. And this is the life I hope for us. We need to pray. Here's two questions for you. Which one, or one question, but which one better describes where you're currently at? Your life is a reaction to prayer. Your life is a reaction to prayer, meaning what you do and how you live is a result of how you've prayed. So your life is a result, a reaction to prayer, or does this better describe you? Prayer is a reaction to all that is happening in your life, meaning you are living and moving and going and doing, and somewhere along the way, you ask God to get involved. Because you're just you're headed off in a direction and you're doing and going and, and all of these things and you're like, oh hey, this isn't working. Maybe I should check in. Maybe I should ask God if He can now help me. And I hope just as you consider those two categories, life a reaction to prayer, or prayer is your reaction to all that's happening in your life, that there's something in you that would say, you know what? Uh, I I want to be the former. I want to be the guy that is living. Everything I do is just born and 
It's coming from prayer. So why are you doing that? Well, because I spent time praying. That's what God told me to do. Why are you going there? Why are you giving that? Why are you serving over here? Why are you engaging? The, well, I, that's what God told me to do. Rather than trying to get God to catch up with your life that you're already living, allow prayer to shape the life that God wants you to live. That's my first observation is we need to pray. We need to pray. And it takes a humble person to actually admit that. So I just, my prayer would be humility for all of us is that we would not be prideful and say, I can do it. Rather, we'd be humble and say, God, I want to see what you can do. My second and final observation as it relates to prayer uh, is this. We don't know how to pray. We don't know how to pray. Now, I'm not suggesting that we have no clue how to pray, but it's safe to say that we all have a lot to learn when it comes to prayer. I'm guessing that the disciples had prayed well before they met Jesus. They were good Jewish boys who grew up in Jewish homes, and they said prayers, they recited prayers. So it wasn't like they never had prayed. But when they met Jesus, they were like, wow, we don't pray like that. We, we don't connect with God like you connect with God. And it just led them to ask the question, would you teach us? Would you teach us how to pray? Would you teach us how to connect and relate with God like we see you relating with God? This is uh, how Jesus responded. This is in Matthew where he's teaching on prayer. I'm going to just start at verse 9, and this might be one of the most familiar prayers ever prayed. Uh, but when Jesus was asked, teach us how to pray, this is how Jesus taught his disciples, consequently us, how to pray. Verse 9, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. This morning when you came in, there was um, some bookmarks we had made up for you that hopefully will be nice and they fit nicely in your, prayer, in your journals. But uh, this is the Lord's Prayer. Um, in many ways, this is the, the points, that, the heart of what I wanted to share with you this morning. On the front, it just says, Our Father. And on the back, it just simply says, Your name, your kingdom, your will. Please provide, please forgive, please protect. So, our gift to you to help you remember how Jesus taught us to pray. Now, I wanted to share just a few things, four things to be exact, of what are things that we learn about what Jesus had to say in response to teach us how to pray. And the first thing I would just tell you before, he said pray like this. And what I learned from that is he did not say pray this exact prayer. Do not treat this as a mantra that if you just recite and repeat, recite and repeat, and do that again and again and again, somehow you're going to make God move. He said, pray like this. It wasn't pray this exact words. And so what we can gather from, would you pray like this? There's things that we can learn from how Jesus taught us to pray in how we actually pray. So number one would be this. And I don't know if you've thought about it, but this was new to me. Number one is prayer is communal. Prayer is communal. So it says he begins by answering the question of teach us to pray. Well, then pray like this. Our Father. 
Now, I'm not suggesting that there's not a time or a place where you spend alone with God praying. Absolutely. Do that frequently. Do that often. But what I learned from what Jesus instructs us about prayer is that he's our Father. He's not like my personal Jesus. He's not like my personal buddy in the sky. He is our God. He is our Father. And there is something unique that happens when the people of God, the children of God, get together to pray. And I'm learning this afresh this week. I had someone tell me they've been coming in the mornings, and they're like, Michael, I can only stay for 20 minutes, but it is the best 20 minutes of my day. And I said, well, why is that? And they're like, well, clearly I could just stay at home and pray right before I go to work, but there's something significant about coming and praying with people. Not about a space, it doesn't matter where it happens, but it matters who it happens with. And so I would just encourage you, yes, invest in praying, uh, spending time with you and God praying. But what I learned from what Jesus instructed about prayer is that it's our God, our Father. We come together, all of us, to pray and to call upon God. And I think this is what Jesus was getting to in Matthew 18 when he said, I tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, pray. My Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. It's not to suggest that you can't be alone with God, but what I'm trying to say is when two or three or 10 or 50 or 100 or 200 people get together, that's good. That's pleasing. And I realize the thought of like coming to a prayer gathering might freak you out. Some of you just, the thought of even praying out loud is, it, oh my, it just, you get like nervous. And what I learn about what Jesus teaches us in prayer is it's our. We do this together. And I get that it can be hard, and if you've never prayed together with somebody else, um, but it's so, there's so much joy in that. And what I would love for each of you to experience is being able to do that. And so what I would challenge you with just from this point alone is simply this. Uh, come in the morning, come in the evening. Pick a night, pick a morning, pick two evenings, whatever it might be, and just say, these are the evenings I'm going to set aside to experience the hour of our Father to experience just what it's like to pray with somebody else. Last night it happened. I was just, uh, there's a handful of us here praying, and I can't tell you how encouraged and instructed and blessed and inspired I was by listening to some other people pray. One person praying in such a way that it just brought me to tears, which I know is not shocking to you. <laughs> but I looked over at Kyla, and she's crying. I'm like, man, we need counseling. Like, what is wrong with us? But I was just listening to someone pour out their heart to God, and it was, it just blessed. It encouraged me in such a powerful way. And I wouldn't, I would have missed that. I wouldn't have experienced that if I was just home by myself, just praying by myself. And there's time and place for that. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. So prayer is communal. The second thing I learned from what Jesus teaches is prayer is relational. Prayer is relational. Father. He says, our Father, of all the ways that Jesus could have said for us to address God, he tells us to address God in the most personal way, as Abba, as Father, as Dad. Now, this was not a new concept. 
Uh, it wasn't the first time that God was addressed as Father in Scriptures, but it was the first time that we were instructed, encouraged, invited to actually address God as Father in the most personal, in the most intimate way. Now, I'm thankful for my dad. I didn't always have a great relationship with my father, uh, but I'm thankful as uh, when I finally turned past 30, uh, my relationship with my dad just really began to grow. And so I'm thankful that my dad, who's turning 75 this year, uh, I still have a good, healthy relationship with him. Now, I know my story or testimony might not be yours. And when you even hear the concept of God as father, you're like, wow, if God is anything like my father, I want nothing to do with God. The years that I've been doing ministry, I've met so many people who just cannot handle the thought of God as Father because of the Father that they've had has been neglectful or hurtful or cruel or abandoned, never expressed care or concern, never expressed any amount of affection or love. And the only thing I could tell you is, God is not like your Father. He's totally different. And my prayer for you, especially in these next 35 days, is that your heart would be healed and that you would experience God as Father in the way that He is, loving and caring, concerned and faithful. It's such an amazing thing that when Jesus instructed us to pray, He said, listen, I want you to do this. Approach God as Father, not as some like, distant being that can't hear you, that you're going to have to chant a few times to get to pay. No, address him as father. Now, if you would actually begin to experience God as father, then there's something that's going to have to happen to you. You're going to have to go back in your mind and be like, gosh, what is it like to be a kid? Because you will miss God as father if you don't approach him as child. And here's, as I was thinking about this this week, Uh, I have three kids, and um, here's what I learned about how I can approach God as Father as the way my kids approach me. Uh, And this is what I think Jesus is driving at, is come to God as Father, come to God as Abba, come to God as Dad. And here's what I've learned for my children. Number one would just be simply this, uh, come as you are. My kids, when they come to me, they come to me often, more times than not, messy. They don't come to me with like everything figured out. They don't come to me with like their life all perfect. They come to me with like attitude. They come to me with like, if they got something to say, they say it. If they're mad about something, they let me know. If they're concerned or frustrated or worried or anxious, they come. And they don't always come with the world's greatest attitude, but they come as they are. And what I've learned about that and how I approach God is never one time has my kid come to me and and had an attitude or whatever it might have been, and I'm like, get out of here. I don't love you anymore. Do you think I'm going to help you? I've never done that. I just kind of look at them, and I smile, and I walk, and I work with them through whatever they might be going, and generally speaking, they leave different. And what I learn about that is God just wants you to come to him as father as you are. If you think that you have to get your stuff straight, if you think that you have to come with this like perfect, righteous attitude, just come as you are, because you won't leave the same. 
Because God loves you where you are, but he loves you too much just to leave you in that place. So first thing I learned about my children is come as you are. Uh, The second thing I learned would be this, come expectant. Like my kids never approach me and be like, Dad, we seriously don't think you can do anything to help us, but we're just going to tell you anyways on the off chance that you might be able to do something for us. They come to me with an attitude, you're dad, you can do it. You can absolutely do it. That's why we're telling you. Can you fix this? Can you help this? And I love that they just, their, their idea right now is that I can do that. But I think when we come to God as Father, as we even pray, we often pray, Jesus, I just, I'm going to do it, but I, at the end of the day, I don't think you can do anything, but I don't think you can change the situation or fix this person or heal this relationship but I'm just going to do my obligation, but I don't really expect that you'll actually do anything. Can you imagine what it would be like to go to God in prayer as father with the same expectancy that your child has for a parent? God, I know you as father. You can do this. You're all powerful, all knowing you're good. What I love about my kids is as they approach me expectant, they ask for anything and everything because they know that I love them. And that doesn't mean I give them anything and everything, but they come expectant. The second or third thing I tell you I learned from my kids is this. Uh, they come often. They come often. There is no thing too small and there's no thing too big. They just come for anything and everything. And I will not lie to you and say that that's not tiring at times, but at the end of the day, I love it. I love it. I love that they don't have the approaches, oh, this is too silly. This is ridiculous. We don't want to bother the man with uh, our issues or problems. I don't make my kids call me the man, but (laughs) I don't know where that came from. Subconscious, maybe I'm wishing that they do. Um, But they just come. They come often. There's just nothing that hinders them from coming. And I just think that's what God wants you to do as you're his child He's our Father, so come and come often. Not too insignificant, not too small, not to just come. And the fourth and final thing that I'd share with you is this. Uh, They come helpless. Now, I think what's hard about this one for me is as my kids are starting to get a little bit older, uh, they don't come as helpless as they used to. I'm noticing, especially as they get older, Uh, I'm going to try to figure this out. I'm going to try to fix this. And if I can't, then I'll get dad involved. But when they were much younger, they just came helpless. We don't know what to do. Can you help? I'm stuck. Can you fix? I'm scared. Can, Can you sit with me? And I just think, as as we get older, we get less and less helpless. And I think God as Father wants us to say, it's okay to be helpless. Because as we were just singing, my help comes from the Lord. Like he wants to help. And if we don't come helpless as God as our Father, then we don't experience the help that God wants to provide. Now, my kids have taught me a lot about how I am to approach God in prayer. Not, they don't approach me uh, you know, with a formula of, Dad, we think you're great. We think you're awesome. We praise you for all these things that you have done. And we want to list them now. They just, 
They don't approach me like that. And to be honest with you, I'm pretty sure that would drive me nuts. Guys, just talk to me. What's on your heart? What's on your mind? Because it's not like I don't know. Like, I know my kids, and I know what they're scared about. I know what they're thinking. So I, 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 they can't fake me out, and we can't do that with God. And I just think the most amazing gift that Jesus gives to us in teaching us how to pray is prayer is communal. We can do it together, but we approach God relationally, not through a formula, not through hoops to jump through, but we can just come to him as a father, a father who cares, a father who is good. And some of you might hear this and be like, wow, that is absolutely so irreverent that you would approach God just coming as you are, messy and... Jesus is the one who told us to come to God as Father. Come to Him as Father. And when my kids have come to me in ways that was sometimes, yes, disrespectful, and there have been times when I can come to God very disrespectful, but my disrespect does not, does not get God to go away from me. God changes my heart as I come to him. And so a heart that maybe came disrespectful is changed into a heart that just loves. So God is father. God is relational. Uh, two more things I'd share with you, and I'll share these very quickly, would be this. Uh, prayer is about God. Prayer is about God, his name, his kingdom, his will. It says in Matthew 6, 9 and 10, may your name be kept holy, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Simply put, we're going to make our lives about us, or we're going to make them about God, and what Jesus teaches us, make it about God. And they, these, there's clearly a lot that could be said about this, but just the things that I learn from this is just simply, prayers about God. It's about who he is. It's about his name. It's about his kingdom, his rule, his reign. It's about his agenda, his will, his plan, his purpose. And I think the one that modeled this best for us, um, actually this might shock you, was Jesus. Jesus got more than anybody that prayer is about God. Uh, So what Jesus teaches us that when we pray, we approach God not in order to get God to do for us what we want for him. We approach God... Um, and just saying, listen, whatever you want to do, that's what I want to do. You remember the night before Jesus, um, the night he was betrayed, um, and the night before he went to, to the cross? You remember what Jesus prayed? He prayed specifically this. He went on a little further, and he bowed his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. That's a prayer Jesus prayed. He comes to his father knowing the agony that he would suffer, and he just simply says, God, if it's possible, could you take this? Could you let this pass? Now, if he would have just stopped right there, we would all miss something. But Jesus goes on in the prayer to say, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. The beauty of uh, approaching God in prayer and coming to God in prayer is we often come with our agenda of what we want God to do, but in prayer, God just changes our hearts to align with his. That's the thing I just want you to catch. Prayer, it's about God, his name, his kingdom, his will. I know that if I'm not praying, guess what I'm doing? I'm making my life about me. And that's a really small existence. It's a really small life. But every time I go to God in prayer... 
And I can go with my agenda or what I'm hoping might happen. But what Jesus teaches me about in prayer is punctuate your sentences. But at the end of the day, God, whatever you want to do, that's what I want. Your will, your name, your kingdom, your will be absolutely accomplished. Uh, The last thing, and we'll finish with this, is number four. Uh, Three is prayers about God. Number four, prayer is for us. Prayer is for us. Specifically, uh, our provision, our forgiveness, our protection. And the image that uh, I just have is that when we go to God in prayer, He actually has something that He wants to give us. And if we don't show up in prayer, we don't receive from God the very things that He wants to give us. And it says in uh, Matthew 6, the back part of the prayer, Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. It's Jesus said, ask God for your provision. Ask God for grace and mercy and forgiveness. And ask God for protection. Because those are three things that God wants to give you. And guess when he wants to give those things to you? Daily. Every single day, God has not giving me what I need for Monday, but God has given me enough for today. And if I don't go to God, I cannot receive from God what God has for me to give. I think our main big problem is, well, I don't really need God to provide for my daily needs because I got a credit card or a debit card. I don't really need to pray for forgiveness because I haven't done that really big, crazy sin in a long time. And, you know, temptation, I... I'm doing okay. I can handle the different temptations in my life. I'll go to them once I get really overwhelmed. And all I can say is, God has something for you every single day. And you would experience that every single day when you just show up with your Father. Father, would you give me today what I need to walk with you and to love you and to love people throughout this day? And what I love about the idea that Jesus teaches is that he wants to provide for you your daily needs. He wants to provide for you everyday new grace, uh, everyday protection. Is that as he's giving you those things, do you know why he's giving you those things? So you can be one who gives those things to other people. There might be somebody praying right now and just saying, God, I struggle to believe that you're real. I struggle to believe that you're good. And if you and I would just spend time praying, receiving from God what God has to give us, we might be the very people who would be the answer to that person's prayer. But right now I can't be because I don't have anything to give to that person. The provision that I have yet to receive, I can't give to that person. The grace that I've yet to receive from Jesus for my sin, when someone sins against me, well, I hold it against them. I get all bitter and judgmental. And angry towards that person. How could they possibly do that to me? Rather than just saying, you know what? I've got grace to give because I have grace that's been received. So prayer is for us because God wants to provide the provision, our forgiveness, and protection. They asked him, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to connect with God. And I love what Jesus does in this Lord's Prayer of don't say this exact word for word and then that's how it works. Pray like this. It's communal. We do it together. We approach God relationally as Father. 
And we make in prayer, it's about God, what He wants. And then lastly, we receive from God what God has to give us on a daily basis. Now, my heart for you this week um, is that you wouldn't leave here and be like, all right, well, I guess I'm just going to try harder in prayer. I'm going to show up a little bit more. I'm going to put more time on the time clock, as it were. Uh, Just as I was praying specifically last night, um, God, what do you really want people to walk away with this morning? Because I didn't want anyone walking away with like, oh, well, some new insights on the Lord's Prayer. But you just don't do anything with it. And at least what I sense the Lord telling me last night as I was spending time praying, uh, as I spent time with the Lord's Prayer, I was like, it's an amazing thing that we can enjoy God. And what Jesus does for him is, I, I think of Jesus, I'm like, man, he just enjoyed God. He just, he prayed a lot. He just, he spent time with his father and he enjoyed his father. And my heart for each of us is that we would not go recite the Lord's Prayer, uh, is that we would just enter into this day, then tomorrow, then Tuesday and the next day. Just, God wants you to enjoy him. And the way we enjoy him is when we pray. My heart for each of you is that you would enjoy God this week, that you would enjoy God together with somebody else, with a group of people. Again, it's not just about you and our cosmic buddy. God's not our cosmic buddy. Jesus is not my homeboy. He wants you to enjoy him as father, but he wants us to enjoy him together.